You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, a new name enters the coaching ring. Conference final takeaways, plus the latest from the NHL playoffs, including Evander Kane's suspension. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get into it. What a finish to the West Final last night. Might be the most entertaining sweep I think any of us have ever seen. But Colorado ultimately too much for an injury-ravaged Edmonton team. And now they're on their way to the Stanley Cup Final. I mean, first... It's really hard to see the Avs being slowed down by anybody at this point. I, I know there's two teams out east waiting them, but that looks like a team on a mission right there. And, and no shame in Edmonton whatsoever for losing that matchup. But my God, the Oilers with the injuries. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. There was a point last night where I didn't know if they'd have enough guys to finish the game. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl went full-on Greg Jennings, but the team on his back, though. And then Darnell Nurse with a torn hip flexor. A torn hip flexor? I, I, just, I didn't know you could move. I didn't know it was possible to do something like that. I, I have no clue how Nurse was even able to skate, let alone play three freaking rounds of playoff hockey with an injury like that. It, it was a... It was a damn inspired effort by those two, and the Oilers as a whole. I mean, they they did play Colorado hard. Those were really pretty close to four one-goal games there with a bunch of empty netters thrown in. But it really came down to the fact that Edmonton just couldn't get a stop all series long to go along with the fact that half their team had broken limbs and torn tendons, muscles, cartilage, all that. So... Tough end for the Oilers, but a pretty fun ride to get to that point. And I don't know about you, but watching this series, watching the East Final as well, and the hockey is just so damn good. This is The playoffs as a whole have been beyond tremendous. But specifically these teams in the Final Four, I can't help but think where the Jets are at as a team right now, and how far they need to go to catch the level that these clubs are currently playing at right now. So I thought for today's episode, we'd pick out a lesson from each team that, that made it to the Final Four, 
And then we'll try to apply that moving forward to see how the Jets can get to that spot, hopefully sometime in the near future. Murat Atej of The Athletic wrote a piece a few days ago highlighting that topic, but I sw- I'm not copying him, I swear. <laughs> I'll, I'll pick some different points that he made in his article, but definitely go check that out. Another beauty by Murat on The Athletic. But without further ado, let's start with the West Final, since we're already on that note. And look at the team that ultimately advanced, the Colorado Avalanche. And there's two takeaways, actually, when you take a look at why the Avs are where they are. Two things that stand out to me the most. The first being speed kills. I mean, when you have multiple guys on your team that can skate with Carter McDavid, yeah, your group could move pretty damn good, right? But as a whole, Colorado embodies where, you know, both the present and the future of the NHL is. And, and, and I feel like, you know, when it comes to speed, the Jets are getting much closer to being a slow team than they are to being a quick one. There's some speed in their lineup. There's no doubt about that. But not only is more needed, but team speed as well is a must moving forward. You watch the way Colorado skates. And hey, Jets fans, no, we watched Jets Avs, what was it, five, six times during the regular season? And it, it, it got ugly. It got ugly just because Colorado's at another level right now. And, and the Jets need to find a way to bridge the gap a little bit when it comes to strictly the speed on the ice. But the second part with Colorado is is how they've built their team to this point. And that would be aggressive targeting in the trade market paying off in a huge way for you down the road. And look, the bones, the the structure of the avalanche were set with some good fortune and and with some awful teams, right? Like you you can't get there without the McKinnons and the McCars. And the Landeskogs and the Rantanins, all top 10 picks, right? Like, that, there, there's no doubt about that, that that played a major part in why Colorado is where they are right now. But Joe Sackick has damn near hit every trade out of the park over these last few years. And, and that's taken Colorado from really good team to amazing team to spectacular team. And of course, you know, it all got started with the Matt Duchesne trade where Joe Sackick, you know, well against public sentiment, held on, held on, held on, ultimately makes a, a beauty of a deal to help the Colorado Avalanche in a spot where it looked like they had no leverage and weren't going to get a whole lot coming back. That, that move was outstanding in itself. But I'm talking more about some of the moves made more so in these last few years. I mean, the main one has to be the Devon Taves trade because Colorado could have looked at their at their blue line and said, you know what, we don't need to give up assets to, to grab another guy, right? Like we've got Kale McCarr, we've got Sam Gerrard, we've got Eric Johnson, Byram coming up as well. There, there's no need to, you know, toss away a couple draft picks because we're pretty well set there. But that's obviously not what happened. They, they saw an opportunity they saw a good player being available for well below market value, and and they pounced. And sometimes it it's, it sounds easy, but that's what some of these great teams do, right? They go after guys that are just great players that shouldn't be available, but are and are available <laughs> at a pretty cheap price on top of it. And, and that was the first move that was made by Joe Sackig, where you know what they were aggressive in targeting somebody that they knew could help their team, and they went out there and did it. And now Taves is playing like a top 10 defenseman on the planet right now. 
But even the Darcy Kemper trade to an extent as well, right? I, and I know Francis has kind of taken over since Kemper's injury here, but Kemper's, you know, going to be a top five Vesna, right? Top five Vesna goalie by the end of the year. He's played a pretty big part in getting to them to where they are right now. Colorado could have looked at their goaltending and said, hey, we'll bring Philip Grubauer back, right? Or, hey, we'll, we'll go after maybe somebody cheap in the net to, so we can spend a little more up front or on the blue line. But no, they went out. They knew that Darcy Kemper was available, and, and they paid a, a decent price to get him. Like it's, it's moves like that that I would love to see the Winnipeg Jets get a little more aggressive in. And look, Chevy did extremely well with the Andrew Kopp trade. There's no doubt about that. And, and he's won a fair amount of trades. But have they gone out and, and stole somebody from someone? You know what I mean? Like, they tried to improve the blue line last year. It was go after Brendan Dillon, go after Nate Schmidt. But it wasn't that, you know, sneaky home run move that the Avalanche have been pretty good at making. And then you have Colorado's trade deadline work this past deadline as well, right? Where they didn't go after the big fish on the market in Claude Giroux. Or, or they didn't get him, at least. Right? And they didn't go after some of the other highly touted blue line guys. But they noticed two guys that were great fits with their team and they went out they were aggressive in getting Josh Manson and Arturi Lekkanen and then Lekkanen sends the Avalanche to the Stanley Cup Finals and Josh Manson scores an OT goal as well a little earlier on in the playoffs right so the Avalanche speed through the lineup but as far as this offseason goes being aggressive in targeting certain players finding good value, and then bringing them into the fold to fill some either weaknesses or just add good players to a position of strength, that's how good teams can become great teams. And that's, I think, a valuable lesson for the Winnipeg Jets to take on why the Colorado Avalanche are where they are right now. Now, the other team in the West Final, of course, the Edmonton Oilers. This is a much trickier one than the Avalanche because I think there were some pretty clear points of interest that the Winnipeg Jets could look to and say, let's try to emulate that. Edmonton is just this unique beast, though. And, and honestly, what I have written down here is nothing. The Jets can't learn anything from the Edmonton Oilers. And, and that's because you can't find a Connor McDavid. You, you can't find a Leon Dreisaitl, right? It's like that... There, there's, there really are the new age Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Where when you have two of the best players on the planet, you know what? That's a unique advantage that you alone have. And you have to build your team differently than pretty much any other club in the NHL. And so I, I, I just don't know if, if there's a whole lot that can be gained from looking at how the Oilers got to where they are and how the Jets could apply that moving forward. Maybe the one thing you could point to is that you don't necessarily need a stud blue liner to make it deep into the postseason. But but even then, you know, I would probably push back on that a little bit because if Darnell Nurse was healthy and took a step forward in his game, could that have been enough to, to push Edmonton to a deeper series against the Avalanche? You know what I mean? I, I just don't think there's any comparables. I think the Oilers don't have to apologize for anything, but they're like, look, we're in a league of our own when it comes to figuring out how to build this team because we have an advantage over everybody else, and that's that we got 97 and 29, and there's not a whole lot that really any other team in the NHL can do about that outside of Colorado. So a lot to learn about how Colorado got to where they are, 
not really a lot of applicable lessons for the Winnipeg Jets to take from the Edmonton Oilers, other than battle your ass off at both ends of the rink. Maybe the Jets could have done that if they got into the playoff mix this past season, but that was more, more than apparent that that was not there during the entire course of the regular season. We'll get to the East final lessons the Jets can take away from the Rangers and Lightning, as well as look at the surprise firing of Bruce Cassidy. Oh, there's a wrinkle thrown into Trot's watch here. We'll get to that in just a sec. But quickly, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Here's the deal they've got on tap for you. New customers with DraftKings Sportsbook can bet $5 on any team to win in the NHL playoffs, and you get 100 bucks in free bets, win or lose. You could have bet on any team so far in the postseason. Nashville, St. Louis, Minnesota, all, all these teams that are out, and you would have turned 5 bucks into 100 by using code THPN. Remember as well that looking to turn a small bet into a big, day, big payday, same game parlays by DraftKings are here to up your ante a little bit more. You can create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like goals scored, team wins, shots, all that stuff. DraftKings has big payouts for you every day of the NHL postseason. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. All right, so we went through Colorado and kind of Edmonton. Now let's move over to the East Final and what the Jets can learn from the Lightning and the Rangers. And we'll start with your back-to-back -back cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, the easy thing to say would be find a six-foot-six unicorn defenseman and away you go, but that's not going to be on the table for the Jets this offseason. But really more so this year even than Tampa's past two cup runs. What stood out the most to me is this. High-end talent with defensive team commitment equals caps lock good 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 i don't think there's a team this entire postseason you know even with colorado getting to the cup final already i don't think there's a team that even comes close to playing as structured as tampa bay does inside their own zone and surprise surprise it doesn't mean that their high-end talent has to sacrifice offense to get it done that's the main thing. It's it's really the thing that people have been screaming for here in Winnipeg for years and years is to have that level of defensive awareness, right? It's not, there's no excuse just because you're talented to not do the proper things in your own half of the ice. That, that should not exclude you from giving a damn on the back check or getting in a shooting lane or being hard on the puck, right? Like, all those things, Tampa Bay, in my opinion, does it better than anybody playing right now. Yet, they are, what, one of the two, three most talented teams in the NHL, right? Like, skill all over the place. you got a 60-goal scorer. You've got an MVP. You've got a 90-point centerman who's out. You've got Hedman. You've got 
on and on and on and on. Yet Tampa Bay, if you watch them, make it really, really difficult to get any decent chance on them. And then you have to deal with a guy like Andre Vasilevsky. That's the main, I mean, if if it's Barry Trotz, if it's whoever else coming in here, show them tape of the Lightning's playoff run, right? And say, look, when we have a guy like Connor Hellebuck in the crease, and we have some of the highest skill that we do, if we play that way, you're not only are you going to the playoffs, but you're going to make deep runs. It's, it's that simple. And that's the biggest takeaway that the Winnipeg Jets can take, arguably from all four of these teams, right? But just the reminder that you can play hard, you can play defensively, and you can still score a ton of goals as well, right? But it all comes down to doing the right things inside your own end, commitment, structure, attention to details, all that. You'll give up a ton of less goals, but you might score a handful more as well either because you're not spending the entirety of your game inside your own half of the ice. Now the final team, the surprise New York Rangers. This is a fun one as well for me because there's actually a few decent amount of lessons to take away from the Rangers' I guess surprise regular season run and then even more surprising of a playoff run. Now just two wins away from reaching the Stanley Cup final. I mean, you could point to Gerard Gallant and say, take advantage of a great coach that's available for you if the opportunity arises. Uh, Check. There's a couple of those out there right now for Winnipeg. So that's number one right there. I mean, play well in front of a great goalie and good things are going to happen. You know, Hellebuck might not be what Shesterkin is right now, but he's not a whole lot far away from that. Uh, Just a few years removed from a Vesna. So there's another checkbox there. But the big thing for me, and I know a lot of Jets fans are going to love hearing this one, but the big takeaway from the Rangers playoff run for me is trust the youth. And the reason the Rangers are the one for me to point to, even though there's other teams throughout this entire postseason that have seen some youngsters have some impressive performances, is that they're not afraid to not only elevate young players into big-time positions and watch them succeed, but they're also willing to let them do that beside each other. That's what makes it so fun to watch and so potentially intriguing for how the Winnipeg Jets could build potential forward lines next year, potential defense pairings, right? Because, look, quite frankly, as great as Zibetajet and and Kreider have been, you know, over the past couple of rounds at least, the kid line might just be the New York Rangers' most dangerous trio up front right now. Like, they are so fun to watch, but they're creating chances all over the ice, and they're not necessarily... Big-time liabilities in their own end as well. That is something that we just have not seen here in Winnipeg at any level, whether it's forwards or the defensemen, right? The, The Jets are kind of notoriously conservative when it comes to grouping youth together, right? They they kind of go, you know, the age old route, right? I mean, the Jets the Jets, to their credit, have given, you know, look back at Ehlers, look back at Connor, look back at Line A, you know, 19, 20, 20 year one year olds a chance to play higher up in the lineup, but they're insulated by a couple of veterans, right? That That's always been the go-to in the NHL. 
But the Rangers have really bucked the trend a little bit here by throwing. And then, yeah, I get their high draft picks, number one picks, all that. But still, you're talking about a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 22-year-old. That that just doesn't happen in the NA. That that happens in Arizona and Buffalo, sure. But it doesn't happen in, in the conference finals, right? But the Rangers are doing that, and you're seeing the dividends that are being paid off there because they're playing with a ton of confidence. They're playing with a lot of belief. And it's a win-win, right? Like, they're going to be great in the future because of this. But guess what? The team's winning right now. (laughs) They're contributing to the team's success. And and that's where the Jets could maybe take a little bit of advice there. Because we know that you've got guys like Cole Perfetti banging on the door. You've got, you know, some some impressive late-season performances from guys like Morgan Barron. David Gustafson down there with the moose. But but maybe, maybe the call is to put all three of those kids together on a line and see what happens, right? I, I'm just spitballing in, in those certain situations, but it also applies to the back end of this team as well. Because, look, Keandre Miller got elevated into a top-four role beside Jacob Truba, and Keandre Miller is he's not quite Adam Fox level of impact, but he's pretty damn close. He's, he's had a bit of a star turn for himself this postseason here, but even Braden Schneider as well on the blue line. He's played really well on the Rangers' third pair and, and getting some chances on special teams as well. That would be something that is clearly and obviously applicable to the Winnipeg Jets going into next season, where guys like Dylan Sandberg couldn't get a sniff for long stretches of time. Vili Hainala literally could not get into the lineup for the majority of the season, right? I know that there's veterans on this team, and you could point to, well, are they necessarily better than that guy? This excuse, that excuse, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes you just got to trust the young kids, right? Like sometimes you just got to take a bit of a plunge and there might be some growing pains. But you know what? It might pay off in a big way too. And that's what we're seeing out there in Broadway. And I wouldn't mind seeing the Jets take a little bit of a stab on that this upcoming season. Hey, make improvements make upgrades on the roster no doubt about it but don't be afraid to let the kids drive the bus a little bit as well right they've they've got their license let them get behind the wheel for a little bit and, and, and maybe you just might find that you get a win now and a win in the future on top of it as well so there you have it the four takeaways from the Winnipeg Jets from the conference finalists would love to know your takes on this as well by the way is there Something you disagree with there that I brought up? Or is there a different lesson that the Winnipeg Jets could learn from Tampa Bay, Colorado, Edmonton, New York? Let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Now, a couple of news and notes from the NHL before we wrap things up here. I, I guess before we get to the coaching thing, should mention, you know, touch on it at the top of the episode here. But the other note from the playoffs, Evander Kane suspended for game four for his hit to Nazem Kadri in Game 3. I th- I think, I, I hope at least, I think I'm with a lot of people out there that I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away that Evander Kane was able to walk away with a one-game suspension. I mean, we, we are all talking about, and everybody that watches hockey agrees with this, that is like the single most dangerous play that the sport has to offer. Hitting somebody from behind, unsuspecting, Five or so feet away from the boards, the potential catastrophic damage there is, is through the roof. And Kadri and is honestly lucky that he ended up with just a broken thumb. <laughs> he, 
He might miss the rest of the postseason. He's lucky it wasn't something much, much worse, and he's lucky he wasn't stretchered off the ice as well after the hit. I, I just don't get, if you're the NHL here, how you don't bring the hammer down, and at the very least, make it a 2-3 gamer. For a guy that I believe has had some some suspension history to go along with other history, that obviously doesn't factor into when you make a questionable hit on the ice. But I, like, what, what more do you have to do? Is it because he didn't plant him you know, head first through the glass into the third row that he's got to earn a multiple game suspension, right? Like, I, I get that it wasn't this massive force applied to Kadri there, but that's how guys break their necks. Like, what, what do you... Well, what do you need to see that would necessitate giving that two, three, four, five game, et cetera there? Like, get that play the hell out of hockey. And suspending Kane for multiple playoff games is is an easy way to go about that. I mean, guys are, we all know, guys are taught from, guys and girls are taught from basically the age of eight, the stop sign on the back of the jersey. It's, it's, a, it's a no-go zone. I, I just can't believe the NHL blew that one. I mean, I can but I can't believe they continue to blow apparently easy calls like they did there with the Evander Kane suspension. Hopefully, Kadri's able to come back at some point in the Stanley Cup final because that would be a shame. You, you want to see Colorado at full strength and everything like that. But yeah, again, pretty, pretty fortunate that a broken thumb was the only thing that Kadri had to deal with out of that collision. Now, the final thing we'll touch on before we wrap up the episode here, a bit of a shocker in the NHL right before puck drop of game four the Boston Bruins there were whispers well they made it official saying that Bruce Cassidy has been relieved of his duties as head coach of the Boston Bruins similar to the Kane suspension I cannot for the life of me understand the reasoning behind this one and look the Winnipeg Jets kind of get another stroke of good fortune coming their way here because Hey, not only is Barry Trotz available, but a guy that's put up a 650 winning percentage in the regular season, recently went to a Stanley Cup Finals, and has won almost 70 playoff games in the past five seasons, is now also available on the open market to run the bench of your team. I mean, I guess the only logical explanation I can come up with here is just that, you know what, Don Sweeney's under a lot of pressure as GM. And firing the coach is a way to buy yourself a bit more time. But what, what's also intriguing is, you know, you lost by one goal in Game 7 to the third best team in the NHL during the regular season. The, the, a, there's not a whole lot of shame in that. But B, if they squeak past Carolina there, is Bruce Cassidy fired? If the Bruins lose to the Rangers in Round 2? Or, or does he still keep his job? I think he still keeps his job. And that's a really crappy way to run an organization, basing so many of your decisions on the results of a single playoff game. Like, I just don't know how much more Bruce Cassidy could have gotten out of that roster there. Like, I mean, you're talking about a guy in maybe the toughest division in hockey, at least the most top-heavy division in hockey, was able to put out a 100-point season yet again after the goalie retired just before the season started. Not a lot of, there's there's some decent high-end talent in Boston, no doubt about it, but not a whole lot outside of that. And yet, Bruce Cassidy was able to get that group within a shot or two of making it to round two. 
Now, I think obviously this doesn't affect the Winnipeg Jets' pursuit of Barry Trotz. I mean, for every team in the NHL, Barry Trotz, I think, has to be, every team looking for a head coach, Barry Trotz has to be number one on the top of your list. And I think that's going to continue to be the main theme moving forward for the Jets here as they try to get that locked down, hopefully sooner than later. But there may not ever be a better fallback option than a guy like Bruce Cassidy if Barry Trotz finds his way out to Philadelphia or to Vegas or to Detroit or whoever else. It may maybe Boston now, right? But that would be a pretty damn good plan B, wouldn't it? I mean, for me, Bruce Cassidy is easily a top 10 coach in the NHL. You could maybe make a case he's hovering close to the top five if you wanted to, and I wouldn't really argue all that hard about it. And, and hey, here's the nice part about Cassidy, too. Earlier in the season when he played the Jets, he outlined Winnipeg's major underlying issues, saying it's easy to get to the middle of the slot area against this team. He's already got a head start on how to fix the Winnipeg Jets, right? So, you know, this is... I, I, I'm probably guilty of this, too. But for anybody out there that's putting all their eggs into the trots basket, like myself... Maybe there is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel that if Barry Trotz doesn't end up signing here, getting a guy like Bruce Cassidy would be, it really would be a disservice to call that a plan B because you're talking about a major, major upgrade when it comes to coaching for this team. And I think while, you know, maybe not the same level of impact as a Barry Trotz, it's it's maybe just a step or two below that. It's not a whole lot far off. And the Jets, I think, would still be able to boast a top 10 coaching group in the entire NHL if Bruce Cassidy decided to move over from Boston here to Winnipeg. So all in all, it's been a pretty positive offseason, hasn't it? Like the start of it, where Barry Trotz becomes available and is being interviewed and courted aggressively by the Jets. The Rangers make a run to the conference finals. You get a first round pick for that. And now Bruce Cassidy is another name to throw into the ring when it comes to a potential coaching hire. So, so far, so good. Still a lot of offseason to go, though. But, hey, let's take it baby steps right now. Baby steps before we can run. And maybe the Winnipeg Jets could pull off some magic as we head closer to the middle and end part of June here. But that'll do it for the episode here. We'll wrap it up early on in the week. We'll get back at it at the end of the week here as we continue our off-season talk for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe we'll take a peek into the trade market for the team. I, I know we've mentioned some names. We've talked Mark Shifley, all that stuff. But I think it would be interesting to take a look at some names that might be available for the Jets and some names that maybe we don't know are potentially out there on the market that would make a lot of sense for Winnipeg to go after. Big Fish Small fish, medium fish, we've gone from free agents. Let's move over to the trade market when we get back to it later this week. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll get back at it on Friday morning. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Peace.